0: Da baixada lá no sense, meu samba vai te pegar. Diz aí. Diz aí. Diretamente da baixada lá no sense, meu samba vai te pegar. Já te pegou. Alô, família Verde Branco! Venho tendo samba com a estação primeira de Lanús. Foi um 4 de abril onde tudo começou. La nossa estação foi quando o apito tocou. Sente aquele no canta. Sexta-feira é o dia sagando nossa bateria verde e branco. Ter ritmo, trem de energia. Porque é o meu samba da vida. Ter ritmo, tendo energia. O samba da vida. Vai, vai. Estação primeira. É minha bateria. Que samba na avenida. Vai, vai. Estação primeira. Minha bateria que samba na avenida foi um 4 de abril. Foi um 4 de abril, onde tudo começou. Ai, Lá na nossa extração, foi quando apito o topo. Sente aquele no na Se Sexta-feira é o dia
1: Welcome to the Brazilian Beat, episode number 84 with Leandro Barzotti from Buenos Aires, Argentina. Join us as we get to know the Brazilian percussion music making community one interview at a time. This is Diana. And this is Courtney. Hello, Diana. Hey, how's it going? Good. How are you? I'm doing well. Still sick of staying at home, but I'm sticking with it. (laughs) You got your, you got
2: your vaccine.
1: I got vaccine one, number one, yeah. and I'm waiting for number two. Yes.
2: How'd um, it go? Tell the people how it went.
1: You know, I had a little bit of arm pain. The sec I got it on a Friday afternoon, and Saturday my arm was killing me. Mm. Um, I iced it quite a bit, and then the next day it was gone. So, oh. yeah. Was it like at the injection side, or like the whole thing? At the injection side. Yeah. Mm. Mm. Um, mm. So. You mean, know, I'm going to do the second one, hopefully, I, yeah, I don't know. There may be side effects, but I'd rather have those side effects than the coronavirus. Yeah, so. totally. The whole thing. Cool. Yeah. One of the lucky few. Yeah, I'm lucky to work in healthcare, so. Very yeah. yeah, cool. How about you? What's up with you, Courtney? I'm good. I, You guys will learn from
2: this podcast about, um, if you don't know already about What's it called? Mugar Porteña. Murga, murga Porteña. And I've been watching videos of that and <laughs> and getting into that. It's kind of cool. Like the, it's this interesting. I mean, the bass drums are just playing like one on the beat, boom, boom, boom. boom. But they do this interesting thing with the with the cymbal on top, and then the dance is pretty cool. I mean, they're all dressed like the Mad Hatter and jumping up and down, and it's pretty <laughs> athletic. I don't know. I've I've been kind of fascinated by that recently.
1: We'll have to ask our friend from uh, our Portuguese class and see if she can tell us a bit about it too. Mm. I found a documentary on it actually that I'm gonna
2: I'm gonna watch. But cool. Yeah. But I was talking to Rob and he said there's a a murga group there in Australia. Oh really? Interesting. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Huh. Nice. They have everything in Australia. They do, <laughs> <laughs> including the sun right now. And um, peace. Peace in the streets. (laughs) (laughs) Although, did you hear about... There's a pigeon from Oregon or something. What? Yeah, that landed in in Australia, and they're going to kill it or something. I don't know. (laughs) know. (laughs) How did it get there? Australia. Um, Fake... Uh, wait, what is it? Australia decides not to kill P- Joe the Pigeon. Uh, a racing pigeon named after the president-elect oh. appeared to have traveled from Oregon to Melbourne, wow. breaching quarantine rules. Quarantine. <laughs> <laughs> quarantine <laughs> wow. Maybe we should send this to Rob. Yeah, definitely. Killers. Racing killer. pigeon. Dang, it got way off course. Yeah,
3: if we can... <laughs> No, I mean the okay. pigeon. I mean, uh, we did oh. too, but <laughs> the pigeon
2: <laughs> went completely the wrong direction. Wrong hemisphere yeah. in like every every sense of the wrong hemisphere.
1: Hmm. All right. Well, so today uh, we have our first Spanish-speaking um, interview, and we want to thank Silvia Manrique, our translator extraordinaire. Uh, for doing uh, this translation in Spanish. Uh, We went down to Buenos Aires and spoke with Leandro Barzotti, who is a mover and a shaker in the samba scene down in Buenos Aires. He is the founder and director of Gres Estación Primera de Lanús, which was founded in 2008. He is also the coordinator and director of the Rhythm Oficinas, the workshops of the school, which trains students to be uh, hichimistas within the samba school. He is also a percussionist with the samba group Grupo
2: Malandragem, and of the Hodoji Samba Bom Ambienchi. This group has been together for approximately 20 years and has had the honor of playing in many of Rio's hot samba spots.
1: He is also a teacher of the Escuela Municipal del Carnaval of the City, 25 de Mayo, a growing samba project where ichimistas and directors are trained from throughout the country at the provincial and national level. That's awesome. Yeah.
3: It's cool to have that.
2: So we'd like to let you guys know that all the um, background mu- music that you'll hear today in the intro and the outro is from his group, Stacio Primera G. Lanus. This episode is sponsored by GoSamba.net. Right now, GoSamba.net is cr- is putting together a big order of drums from Brazil, including alfaias. everybody. Um, so let me know what you want. You can find me on Facebook, Instagram. I'm on WhatsApp. Um, just let me know. If you have special things you want to get, um, contact me. GoSamba.net. Courtney at GoSamba.net is the email. If you would like to support this project, for this podcast, you can do that at ko fi slash the Brazilian Beat. K O F I slash the Brazilian Beat. We spend a lot of time and a lot of money and, and a lot of love and heart on this project, interviewing people around the world to bring you stories and, and tips and ideas about how to run your group and just some sort of inspirational stories from these people. But if you would like to support that, um, check us out kofi ko-fi slash the brazilian meat and thank you we have several people who have supported us and we have um one person who's done like an ongoing subscription type support so we really really appreciate appreciate that 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 level is it's really touching so thank you so much another way to support the podcast is you can rate us on on your podcast player give us a 5 star rating and let us know what you think and also let us know you know what would you like to hear more of what would you like to hear less of we we love hearing from you so yeah let us know stay in touch all right we hope you guys enjoy this episode and we will talk to you on the other side <laughs> So today on the show, we have Leandro Barsari. Thank you so much for being here. And he is from Argentina. He lives in Buenos Aires, and he's the mestre de batería of Estación Primera Gilanús. Thank you so much for being here. We're excited to have you.
4: Muchas gracias, Kurni, por la invitación. Diana, Silvia.
5: Gracias por estar aquí, Leandro.
4: Bueno, muchas gracias por invitarme, por... Por darme este espacio acá para compartir un poquito lo, mi, mi trabajo, y, y mis estudios y mi, mi experiencia. Eh, nada, un placer poder estar acá compartiendo este momento, así que muy agradecido.
5: Uh, he dice que es muy feliz de estar aquí y que está excitado de compartir un poco de lo que él hace y que estamos excitados de que le pedimos su historia y lo que él hace y su grupo.
1: This is exciting because it's our first Spanish interview with our polyglot, Sylvia.
2: <laughs> the Swiss Army knife of, of languages and podcast interpreters. Yeah. So
1: thank you again, Sylvia.
5: No problem. Let's, let's see how it goes. Let's see how it goes in, uh, in Spanish.
2: Great. Okay. So we are super curious about what's happening in Argentina as far as Samba and about yourself. Can you tell us... Uh, tell us a little bit about yourself. Where you grew up, and, and, and about your family, and were they musical?
5: Uh, Leandro, cuéntanos un poco sobre tu historia. Como de dónde eres, este, y también sobre tu paso en el mundo de la música. ¿Cómo llegaste a ser músico? Tu familia, un poco sobre esa historia.
4: Bueno, eh, yo soy de Argentina, de Buenos Aires, eh, de de un barrio que se llama Lanús justamente, eh, y comencé a tocar samba porque en el barrio había un, un amigo brasilero de Río de Janeiro, que era un, es un poco más grande que yo, y bueno, no, no, como la familia eh, es mitad argentina, mitad brasilera, eh, le llevaba mucho, muchos instrumentos de samba, y, y bueno, yo era amigo de él, y entonces nos, nos empezamos a, a interiorizar con los diferentes instrumentos, ¿no? así arrancó todo.
5: So he's actually from Buenos Aires in, um, and actually this is the, the neighborhood of Lanús. So that's where the name comes from of his group. Oh, okay. um, he actually started playing samba um, when he was younger because he had a friend in the neighborhood who happened to be half Argentinian, half Brazilian, who was from Rio. And so the Rio side of the family would bring instruments. Um, and that's how he sort of got to know um, Brazilian percussion.
2: Oh, that's cool. And this this guy would teach him, would show him stuff, or this neighbor?
5: ¿Cómo cuánto, cuántos años tenías? Y, y qué cómo fue el proceso de, ese, de, de que descubriste que te, que, que te gustaban este los instrumentos y la percusión?
4: Eh, arranqué a los 13 años eh, y fue como un juego porque como no, éramos amigos con este chico que se llama Leandro también y otros otros chicos del barrio, era como que en un momento se iba a jugar al fútbol, en otro momento se jugaba a un juego ahí por por el barrio y en un momento se iba a tocar. Era como algo algo más, digamos, de un entretenimiento más. Uno de repente no sabía que estaba eh, tocando una cultura eh, tan fuerte y, y, y nada, y que después obviamente hizo y a ser un estilo de vida para mí, eh, pero bueno, arrancó así como un juego.
5: So he actually started when he was around 13 years old and his friend was, who was actually also named Leandro, um, was, you know, into percussion, but for him it was sort of just like another type of thing to play with. So sometimes he'd be playing soccer and sometimes he'd be playing percussion. It wasn't sort of, you know, like this thing that, um, you know, came to him. It was just like another thing to do. Um, And so he didn't really think of it as something that would end up turning into like a lifestyle for him. It was just like just another fun activity that he participated with uh, his friends with.
1: So did he have um, music in school? When he was growing up y tu educación musical eh, estudiabas
5: en la escuela o, o cómo es que llegaste a, a tocar uh, música
4: eh, la verdad que siempre fue eh, autodidacta no al principio fue como un juego eh, siempre escuchando un poco de, 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 de música brasilera en su momento las escuelas de sambas de río después pasando un poco por, por el samba más tradicional, desde Cartola a Fundo quintal, eh, y, y después de eso eh, empecé a estudiar eh, un poco más con algunos profesores de, de armonía como Cavaquinio, eh, empecé a estudiar otros instrumentos aparte de la percusión, pero la percusión siempre fue autodidacta, Hasta después de más grande, estudié en la, una escuela de música popular acá de Buenos Aires. Mm-hmm.
5: Um, so, actually, he he's self-taught. So, you know, as he mentioned, when he started playing, it was very much just a, an activity, like a game to him. Um, but then, as he started getting older, he, took, you know, he started to get more deep into samba not just listening to you know percussion and like real samba schools but also the more lyrical uh traditional root samba like cartola and and then he stu- that's when he started studying with teachers and that's actually when he began studying um you know lyrical instruments like cavaquinho and um and and actually taking that uh sort of education seriously and then uh, but percussion for the most part he was um self-taught um until he studied at a at a at an actual conservatory in Buenos Aires. Mm.
2: Does Brazil have a big influence on Argentinian music? Or and by that I mean is there a lot of samba schools and things like that in like a lot of groups that are playing like bateria style samba in Argentina mm-hmm. since they're so close, you know, in proximity?
5: Y eh, cuéntanos un poco sobre cómo es la percusión brasileña en Argentina. Hay muchos grupos, cómo es la movida, ya que aquí, sabes, en Estados Unidos ya hay muchos grupos, pero tampoco somos tan, no estamos tan cerca de Brasil, ¿no? Como ustedes. Entonces, claro. ¿qué, qué, si hay esa influencia, ¿cómo, cómo, cómo manejas ese tema?
4: Bien. Acá en Buenos Aires, como de repente es, 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 el, es el centro así de Argentina, eh, pasa de que hay influencias no solamente de Brasil, hay influencias de, de, de cualquier comunidad eh, latinoamericana y hasta, me atrevo a decir, de otros lugares del mundo. Eh, pero obviamente Brasil, eh, al, al ser un país limítrofe, eh, como también pasa con Uruguay, por ejemplo, con el Candombe, Eh, el Brasil con el samba, Argentina tiene mucho, está muy ligado a eso, Eh, entonces hay muchos grupos de samba y la verdad que hubo una ola migratoria muy fuerte de de Brasil, eh, sobre todo para Buenos Aires y eso hizo de que haya una comunidad argentino-brasilera muy fuerte acá Eh, y, y bueno, y un poco con... Con la curiosidad del argentino por el país vecino más la ola migratoria esa que que llegó acá eso hace de que en Buenos Aires haya una buena cantidad de gente eh, muy amante del samba.
5: So he says that yeah actually you know the fact that you know Argentina just being part of Latin America has a lot of influence from a lot of different Latin American countries but there is um you know there's there's also been in recent years sort of a wave of immigration of you know Brazilians moving to Argentina so um and then you combine that with um sort of the Argentine curiosity of you know the na- their neighbors and you know that sort of connection that those two countries have um that it has sort of especially in Buenos Aires there has been sort of a, sur- a surge in a community that really appreciates
2: uh samba in in Argentina. That's nice. He also said something about condombi in Uruguay.
5: Yes, yeah. He used that as a um, as an example of sort of the influences of music from various countries.
2: Right, right. Does Argentina have its own like um, percussion style? You know, I, I would I maybe like two or three years ago learned about condombi en Uruguay, does Argentina have a similar, like its own developed percussion style?
5: Eh, Courtney habló del del candome de Uruguay que ella también conoció hace unos años. Argentina tiene un una tradición percusiva, algún género en sí que sea netamente argentino.
4: Sí, Argentina tiene algo que se llama murga porteña. Eh, que de hecho los carnavales acá de de Buenos Aires eh, son de de la murga porteña eh, y es un un ritmo que que se toca con bombo y platillo eh, y después también tienen, hoy en día tienen repiques, redoblantes eh, y tiene un baile muy muy particular también eso sería bien autóctono, eh, digamos de percusión urbana, ¿no?
3: Mm-hmm.
4: de acá de Buenos Aires
3: um,
5: so yes our, Argentina does have its own um, its own rhythm it's called Murga Porteña which is what the rhythm that they play um, like during their carnival it's a very sort of street influenced um, uh, genre um, it's not only a rhythm but it's also like a dance and you know it's a whole tradition oh. Um and he mentioned that there's the instruments are like the bomba, which I think would be like a bass drum, I
1: think. Uh-huh.
3: Yeah.
5: Um, it kind of, I think
1: it kind of, I think it kind of looks like a little alfaya in a way.
5: Okay. And then a portillo, which I do not know what that would be. So we'd have to look that up. <laughs> 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 ¿Cómo, cómo, es el instru- ¿Cómo es el portillo, el instrumento?
4: Eh, el instrumento de la murga porteña? Sí. Eh, son repiques como si fuesen de estilo Zamba uh-huh. redoblantes, que es como si fuesen caixas de Zamba uh-huh. también, uh-huh. y el, el bombo con platillo, que creo que es el instrumento más autóctono de, de la Murga porteña eh, es como si fuesen los bombos que utilizan en, en la Merchant Band, se llama también, lo,
3: uh, lo utilizan
4: uh-huh. ahí Sí. medio de ese estilo que tienen el platillo arriba y se le pega va sujeto en la cintura con un parche de un lado de la mano derecha y un parche de la mano izquierda ¿no? como que uh-huh. de los dos lados se puede pegar
1: y es it, wooden, right Ask him es de madera
4: uh-huh. eh, generalmente es de madera, sí. Ok.
1: Yeah,
5: so he said he said it's, it's like, the, like a marching band drum where you're playing it with both sides like with your both hands right like the one that's upright or like really onto oh, the side like a bass drum
3: mm-hmm, exactly
5: yeah. um and then he mentioned the hipiki which is like the samba hege style one
0: and mm-hmm.
5: then the, the redoblantes which is more of like a kaisha um kaisha
2: cool.
5: instrument yeah
2: Cool. We'll have to put an audio file in here so people can hear it. Yeah.
1: I think Courtney was going to ask him this, but uh, could he tell us a little bit about the school that he uh, is a part of or directing? I'm not sure which. Um, is this his own group that he started or was it already in existence?
5: Eh, Leandro, cuéntanos un poco sobre uh, Estación Primera de eh, Sí. Cómo surg- surgió. Tú entiendo que eres el director, pero cuéntanos un poco sobre tu rol. Cómo qué es lo que haces en la escuela, cómo surgió la escuela, etc.
4: Perfecto. Eh, Estación Primera de Lanús es una escuela de samba que nace en el 2008 eh, con el fin un poco de de importar de Río de Janeiro eh, las estructuras de las escuelas de samba. Eh, Entonces es un proyecto que nace desde la percusión, desde lo que es una batería de escuela de samba, pero bueno, La idea, obviamente, siempre fue apuntar a ser una escuela de samba eh, teniendo en cuenta las diferentes alas que componen a, a una escuela de samba. Ala de pasista, maestresales, y portabandera, ala de baianas, eh, comisión de frente. Uh-huh. Y, y, digamos, ese fue el, el propulsor para, para poder dar el puntapié inicial. La batería, pero siempre pensando en, en el horizonte, ¿no? Como escuela de samba.
5: Mm-hmm. Um so it was uh the school actually started in 2008 um and the idea was to um you know initially was to have a percussion group right A tra- you know something in the tradition of Rio samba schools but with the idea that eventually um you know the bigger picture would be to have an actual samba school with all of the elements that the samba schools in Rio have from you know, the Comisión de Ferenche, the biology baianas, the different alas that um, samba schools in Rio have to have that and replicate it um, in Buenos Aires.
2: That's cool. Do, do they have a quadra? Y, y como
5: cómo esa, es, dijiste que empezó en 2008. Este, ¿Cómo ha sido la evolución? ¿Tienen cuadra? ¿Cómo, ¿Cómo ha sido la evolución de la escuela?
4: Sí, la, la evolución de la escuela, eh, la verdad que viene viene creciendo a veces un poco más rápido de, de lo que uno eh, puede estar, digamos, también, ¿no? Porque eh, ya pasaron 12 años, me acuerdo cuando, cuando fundé Estación Primera de Lanús, eh, éramos poquitos en ese momento, éramos 7, 8 ocho, ocho percusionistas, amigos que que ya veníamos tocando como un juego y bueno, capaz fui un poquito el que quiso dar ese paso de profesionalizar un poco eh, lo que es una una escuela de samba o una batería en su momento y y la evolución fue creciendo demasiado porque desde ese momento hasta hoy en día ya contamos con con 200 integrantes en Ah. las diferentes salas y tenemos nuestro espacio propio, nuestra cuadra, Que, que también la tenemos ya hace siete años eh, pasamos de tocar a, en la estación de tren de Lanús que tocamos durante mucho tiempo ahí a después tener nuestro nuestro propio espacio y poder hacer un ciclo un ciclo semanal durante todo el año
5: wow um... So he you know he like as you mentioned it started uh, 12 years ago. he's actually one of the founders um, and when he founded it, you know he was sort of the one that had the 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 bigger dream of making it something super legit right like it was you know they it was some he was playing with the you know the, these other percussionists um you know as a performer and so but they had this this dream to start this school um and his I you know his ultimate goal was to make it. You know, like a, a real samba school. And twelve years later, um, they have two hundred participants across all of the alas, um, and they have they have their own quadra, uh, which they've had for seven years now. Um, and so, awesome. when he thinks about the um, when he thinks about the evolution of the school, I mean, he says that he, they started playing at the Lanús train station or metro station. <laughs> Um, and now they, you know, when he thinks about what they have now, which is their own quadra, their own, you know, weekly classes and 200 participants, it's quite a a feat, (laughs) especially knowing what we know as part, you know, being in groups, it's so difficult to, um, you know, make groups grow and keep them going.
2: Great work. Yeah. Really good work, Leandro.
5: Sí, es es impresionante eh, es impresionante para nosotras porque todas eh, hemos sido parte de un grupo o o más y es súper difícil hacernos crecer, no solamente crecer, pero mantenerlos vivos y, y que la gente se sienta que están aprendiendo y O sea es, es muy impresionante en 12 años crecer un grupo de de casi de siete personas a 200. así que parabéns. Sí.
4: <risa> bueno muchas gracias ahí por las felicitaciones eh, yo creo que, que bueno el una capaz yo soy una de las personas que que intento estar siendo el nexo constantemente entre Río de Janeiro y, y, y estación primera de Lanús. Eh, porque bueno, todo el tiempo estoy, estoy viajando para allá, ya he vivido en Río también, eh, vengo viajando desde el año 2005, hace mucho tiempo, eh, pero bueno, sin duda la Escuela de Samba va evolucionando y creciendo porque capaz con, con, con la gente que se quiere comprometer con el proyecto hay gente que, que es muy, muy apasionada por por la cultura y, y también tiene ganas de, de, de hacer las cosas en serio, ¿viste? Eh, siempre divirtiéndose, respetando, pero bueno, también con, con mucho compromiso, ¿no? Que eso para mí es muy importante.
5: Uh-huh, uh-huh. Um, so he he credits the fact that, um, you know, he's been able, because I, I told him that, you know, it's for us, especially having been part of groups, it's so difficult to keep people engaged and keep people... Um, you know, wanting to keep learning and growing and stuff like that. And so he says that he, so he credits the fact that he's been able to do that and the evolution of the school to 200 people is that he really tries to hold a very deep connection between Lanús and Rio. Um, He travels Mm -hmm. there a lot. He's been traveling there since 2005. Uh, He lived there for a time. And so he really tries to make that, that strong connection because he knows that that sort of it, it, you know, it in, makes people passionate not only about what they're learning but also about the culture and so he thinks that he's you know he also credits the fact that he gets people who are um committed right um, that are committed to learning not only having fun um, but also taking it seriously taking the instrument seriously taking learning seriously um so yeah he's i guess he's been very lucky with people that you know have come through his uh school
1: is he, yeah. uh, is his school affiliated with a school in Rio or, um, what are his connections? I guess, uh, who, uh, let me rephrase that. <laughs>
2: <laughs> like some schools, like there's like Japanese Portela or whatever. Is that what you mean?
1: Yeah. I, I guess I want to know if, like, when he first started going, was there a school that he was drawn to and are they still like influential in their school?
5: Mm hmm. Um, cuando empezaste, tenías eh, escuelas en Río que te, que te, o sea, todos tenemos nuestra escuela de corazón, pero había escuelas que te gustaban, que te influenciaban, hay escuelas que, por ejemplo, en Japón hay escuelas que tienen eh, una conexión fuerte con una escuela, eh, Diana mencionó por, por tela que tiene una escuelita en Japón, y sí. Ah, ¿Hay esas escuelas para ti? ¿Cuáles son y cómo llegaste a tener esa conexión?
4: Eh, En un principio, la primera vez que viajé a Río Janeiro fue en el año 2005. Yo tenía 17 años. Eh, La realidad es que me gustaban todas las escuelas de samba, porque cada una también tiene su su identidad que es muy fuerte Eh, y cada una es bien diferenciada de la otra. Pero bueno, la verdad que fui a. Fue Viradouro, la, la escuela de samba que, que sentí de repente que, que me hizo parte, ¿no? De hecho, fue la primera escuela de samba en donde desfilé. Eh, y bueno, fue la escuela de samba en donde me sentí realmente que, que estaba en casa. En un principio, después eh, fui conociendo otras escuelas de samba, conociendo o, otros amigos y amigas. Eh, Tanto así que desfilé en Salgueiro, desfilé en Estacio de Sá, eh, desfilé en Unidos de Aponchi, desfilé en Imperatriz, en Porto de Pedra eh, y varias más, creo. Eh, Y bueno, al pasar los años uno sigue haciendo amigos y amigas eh, y eso hace que que la escuela de samba donde a uno lo invitan ya se pone la camiseta, ¿no? Es como que... (laughs)
5: So, yes, he um, he went, as you mentioned, to Rio the first time when he was 17 in 2005. Um, and in, and initially he, you know, he says then and now he loves them all because they all have their different identities. Once you get to sort of know the schools, you get to know their intricacies and just how differentiated they are from one another. Um so he, he loves them all. But he said that the, in the onset, when he first began sort of getting to know samba and samba schools, um, the, he says Viradouro was his first love because it was the first school that he paraded in. Um, it was the first school that he sort of went there and felt at home. Um, but as, you know, he got to know other schools, you know, he's paraded with Salguero, with Sancho with Porta da Pedra. Um, and he says that as, you know, has, you, you keep going to Rio just like, you know, other percussionists, you begin making friends and you get to know other people and you make other connections, um, you get invited. And so he says that that, you know, is sort of the magical thing for him is that, you know, when you make friends at a Samba school and they invite you it's like, it's sort of the magical thing that you, you want to wear the shirt. You want to be part of it. Um, just because of how they make you feel, um, you know, re- well-received and accepted. So, um, he said that's part of the magic of, uh, of percussion, Brazilian percussion.
3: Hmm.
2: Um, when Sylvia, you might remember this, when we were interviewing Sahina Hayes mm-hmm. in, in Brazil, in Rio, um, he was telling us about um, Argentina and how how strong the samba scene is there. And I think that he said I didn't go back and listen to the the interview, but I, I believe he said that there was a, a little sambodromo there. Is that is that true? And do they do they do like a little competition every year?
5: Hace creo que un año entrevistamos a Jihais, y él nos contó. él ha ido muchas veces a a Buenos Aires y nos contó eh, que, parece que Courtney se acuerda que nos contó que hay como un sambodromo tipo sambodromo allá y en, en Argentina hay com, hay competencias hay este eventos así donde hay, hay concursos entre entre varios grupos o, o cómo es cómo cómo es allá
4: Cerriña eh, bueno, yo lo lo conocí en Río también hace muchos años, Eh, él a Buenos Aires no llegó a venir, él fue a a otras provincias de Argentina, Eh, de hecho fue a a Corrientes, Eh, que son provincias que tienen también una identidad eh, propia, hacen una especie de batucada, Que, que desde hace unos años atrás para, para acá fueron tomando mucha influencia de Brasil. Ajá. Entonces ellos tienen un, la palabra corsódromo que viene de corso eh, en donde pasan diferentes agrupaciones, algunas tocando samba por esta influencia de Brasil y otras tocando una especie más de batucada que puede ser eh, más mezcla, ¿no? Capaz no con. eh, Digamos, con con todos los elementos propios de una batería, sino con algunas otras mezclas. Y otras sí con todos los elementos de una batería.
5: ¡Wow! ¡Qué interesante! ¿Corrientes es es, dónde exactamente es? ¿Lejos de Buenos Aires o con dónde dónde es?
4: Corrientes es. eh, Sí, estamos hablando en in autobus eh, 15 horas de viaje wow wow uh, <laughs> Buenos Aires si sí, es lejos
5: um so yeah actually um so he knows Ceguina so he actually didn't go to Buenos Aires he has visited the other provinces um and he thinks that what he might be talking about is um is provinces like Corrientes which um I asked how far away it was it's a 15 hour bus ride from Buenos Aires so we're talking far oh, <laughs> um and he said that they they have they do have um, sort of a, a tradition of percussion that's that's almost like their own thing, right? But because of the influence in recent years of Brazilian music, it's sort of become this mix. So they do have a sambodromo, which over there is called escorçodromo, and they do play samba. Some groups play samba, very traditional, in the samba style of, of Rio. Some play sort of like their own batucada mix, you know, that's sort of (laughs) derived from their own percussion, percussive traditions and influence of Brazil. Um, but yeah, so they do have competitions and, you know, but it's, um, it's partly because they have, you know, their own sort of competition and percussive, percussive, um, tradition that has now sort of been also influenced by recently, um, by samba and that influence coming from brazil that's i was like so that's super interesting i feel like so many countries are like way more into it than the u.s
2: like i, I think finland also <laughs> has like
5: finland also has like their own carnival and it's like why can't we get that Por- going here? portugal yeah. has like yeah.
2: quadras that are like supported by the government and yeah
5: that's crazy we gotta get we gotta get we gotta do that we gotta get a quadra
3: somewhere
5: i know <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> No, estábamos diciendo que en Argent- aquí en Estados Unidos no, todavía no hay eso sí. y nos, nos impresiona de que en varios países como en Finlandia hay, o sea, tienen carnavales completos con
3: concursos
5: claro. con y todo. Y nosotros aquí a veces ni puedes reunir 10 personas para tocar la percusión. No, no, no. Así
3: que, no sé, sí. no se a, a, a...
4: Acá, lo que, acá lo que pasa en Argentina... Eh... Buenos Aires que tiene el Carnaval de, de Murga porteña y bueno y otras influencias como dijimos del candombe y del samba y bueno diferentes eh, comunidades de, de, de sobre todo de países latinoamericanos como Perú Bolivia eh, Colombia Venezuela pasa también de que afuera de Buenos Aires en, sobre todo en lo que es el litoral del país eh, pasa de que eh, ya tienen una identidad propia de carnaval, que en en su momento eh, era esta especie de de batucadas, eh, que, que capaz es una influencia propia del lugar, no necesariamente con la identidad de una escuela de samba o de una batería de samba. Y hace ya unos 15 años... Eh, atrás para para ahora, digamos, hacia adelante, algunas fueron tomando iniciativa como como para poder formar una una estructura más de de una escuela de samba o de una batería de samba. Eso es un poco, eh, digamos, el cambio así fuerte que que se viene de los últimos años para para esta época, ¿no?
5: Um so yeah he he agrees but he he actually credits and I and this makes total sense to me too is that um you know he talks about the fact that you know Argentina being in Latin America they have there's a lot of immigrant communities um so you know people from Colombia from all of these countries that also have carnival traditions right they have a carnival and so it's right. it's it's normal for them to to have something around this event, right? Around this time period. And so, um, you know, he says outside of Buenos Aires, on the coast, on the coast of Argentina, there's a lot of communities that already have that really strong carnival connection um, and their own sort of identity, carnival identity that has in the last 15 years, so not necessarily associated with Rio or, or Brazil, but in the last 15 years because of immigration or because of just pop culture influence have taken on some of the elements of the samba schools, right? Like the more, the structure of samba schools, but they already had the basis, right? Of this, of carnival traditions that involve playing certain music, playing certain percussion um, around, around that time period. So that, that makes total sense. I mean, I think in just separately in Mexico too, um, you know, there's a huge carnival um, tradition in Veracruz which has now, now they play batucada as well, um, so that makes sense to me. Leandro le estaba contando a Kourtney que en México, en Veracruz uh-huh. de donde son mis padres de, de, en Veracruz hay una cultura muy fuerte de, de carnaval y, uh-huh. y ahora también en los últimos 15 años también ha surgido eso de tener batucada y percusión brasileña tocando en, claro. ese, en ese tiempo,
3: así
4: que sí Sí, porque yo, yo creo que que es un fenómeno que, que se está dando también hace mucho, mucho tiempo, es que se aprovecha de alguna forma esa identidad que, que se venía gestando en esos lugares y a, a veces va evolucionando a través de, de, los, de las estructuras, ¿no? por ejemplo en este caso el samba. Uh-huh. En algunos lugares se va para el lado del candombe, en algunos lugares se va para el lado de, del samba, en algunos lugares... Se va para el lado más de, de, de una murga. Es como que de alguna forma la identidad de esos lugares de carnaval era como mezclar todo eso, diferentes ritmos, y ahora como que intenta eh, estructurarse en algo más eh, propio, ¿no? Así como algo enfocado en algo, digamos.
3: Uh-huh, uh-huh.
5: Um, so, yeah, he says that, you know, the, the idea is that, you know, there's, it's sort of like the, those areas or those communities take advantage of the fact that they have this um, carnival tradition or like, you know, the fact that, his, that it evolves. And some, some of them evolve into using more candombe, some of them evolve into using, you know, more of the traditional murga porteña, some uh, samba, but, all, but a lot of them are sort of looking for that structure that is, that exists in the Samba schools, right. Of having, you know, the different alas, all of the sort of very uh, focused um, elements. And so that's sort of what is driving that influence too.
1: I have a couple of questions. If he could explain to us and to our listeners, what exactly a Murga is. Um,
5: Leandro, Diana está pidiendo que nos cuentes un poquito más sobre qué es una murga, porque creo que lo que vamos a hacer eh, para la grabación, vamos a ver si podemos encontrar una una grabación de de Murga Porteña para que puedan escuchar lo que es, pero si nos puedes explicar exactamente lo que es.
4: Ok. La Murga Porteña es un ritmo eh, urbano, Eh, es un ritmo de calle, Que está compuesta por una parte percusiva y una parte de baile Así también la parte percusiva tiene algunas líneas melódicas Que son hechas por por instrumentos de vientos como trompeta, trombón, eh, saxo en algunos casos también Eh, Entonces entre esas tres partes digamos forman lo que es una, una murga Eh, la parte de la percusión, como, como hablamos, eh, está más enfocada en lo que es como una batucada, marcando diferentes tipos de ritmos, desde eh, una base de samba reggae, una base más de, de, de reggaetón, por decirlo de alguna manera, con esa parte. esa parte tum, cha, tum, cha, tum, cha, tum, cha, tum, cha, Y después están los instrumentos de vientos que van marcando diferentes melodías, muchas veces con con temas muy populares eh, de acá de, de Argentina. Y después también eso está reflejado muchas veces en equipos de fútbol de acá, porque generalmente cada equipo de fútbol tiene su murga que toca en la tribuna. Entonces es como que es muy propio acá de, de Argentina y de Buenos Aires.
3: Uh-huh. Um,
5: so, Murgas, actually, um, it's not only a rhythm, but it's also just sort of a urban genre of dance and drumming. So he says that, you know, it's not only a, a, a rhythm that they play, but um, that's very much rooted in sort of batucada, but also he says, you know, he sort of gave us a little bit of a sample of what uh, of what it sounds like, cause it kind of all, can also go into sort of a reggaeton feel, but he says that it's um, a Murga, actually they have them in the soccer stadiums. So each team has their own that plays the rhythms during the soccer games. Um, but then it's also part of street culture, right? dancing where like they wear specific clothing for the for the murga um he talked about sequins and fringe so we should totally have a photo of that as well to see what it looks like (laughs) interesting um and then there's also like the lyrical part of it too or like other instruments that are played like um brass instruments like trumpet and trombone and sometimes saxophone um but it really is just this tradition that is you know very much rooted in in urban street culture uh, a lot of the songs have very popular themes that are very Argentinian um, but uh, but he mentioned that it's very much rooted you know that it's super Argentinian because it's it's not only part of like you know this genre that you dance and you drum but it's it's even in this in the in the soccer stadiums too so super like cultural.
1: When he says popular does that include political? Eh, Cuando hablas de los temas
5: populares de las canciones, ¿también puede ser, hay temas políticos o exactamente cuáles, de qué hablan las canciones?
4: No, porque no es cantado, sino que son melodías, Ah. no hay nadie cantando, y generalmente no son composiciones propias, Eh, son músicas que que se reproducen eh, en un estadio de fútbol, por ejemplo, de una, una hinchada que lo está cantando, Eh, o son temas eh, que están en el oído de, 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 de cualquier persona digamos ¿no? que, que vive acá en Argentina digamos
5: mm-hmm. um, so no he says that it's more uh, you know of things that you would hear it's it's melo- a lot of melodies and just things that you would sing in a soccer stadium so super what he says popular <laughs> like b- you know not very not political not not any of those
1: okay
4: De hecho, una una vuelta nos pasó, eh, nosotros tenemos un samba de saltación, a nuestra escuela de samba, Estación Primera de Lanús, y nos pasó de que una especie de murga batucada con con instrumentos de vientos y tal, nos hicieron eh, nuestro tema, o sea, estábamos en en un lugar donde íbamos a hacer una presentación y los chicos pasaron primero y estuvieron tocando... Nuestro tema que que dice "Vai, vai, à estação primeira é minha bateria que samba avenida". Ahí la, la murga pasó con el tum, chatum 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 tum, 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 O sea, venía haciendo la melodía, esas cosas son muy lindas, muy emotivas. Mm. <ríe>
3: <Bueno>. <ríe> Qué
5: buen día. Uh, so he said that you know the just to give you an example he said that they were there was a they were at a presentation where they were going to pres- like they were going to play and they were playing their their samba um i guess a theme right like a exaltação where you honor your school mm-hmm. um, and they were playing that and then a murga was there and sort of started ad- adding to it and playing with it so it was something that was super um, uh, cultural because you know it was him playing with his group and then this sort of urban culture came in and started adding to it and, and playing yeah. uh, along. so it's uh it's super cool now I'm super interested and in, I'm going to be uh YouTubing Murga Portena for the rest of yeah <laughs>
2: um I want to go back just a little bit he said that he's helped grow this his group um to the point where they have a quadra and 200 participants um, f- to help other people understand how to make this happen, did they get grants or did they use the money like from shows or how did they fund actually getting a quadra and making mm-hmm. that happen?
5: Um, Leandro, sabes que mucha gente que escucha el show también tienen grupos y siempre les preguntamos a nuestros invitados que han tenido éxito en sus grupos de cómo el un poco un poco sobre cómo lo hicieron um, cómo cómo es que pudieron crecer la escuela no solamente de una forma digamos espiritual no pero también financieramente porque tener una cuadra instrumentos todo esto cuesta dinero entonces cómo es que eh, empezaron a obtener esos recursos para poder crecer a lo que son ahora
4: Sí, la verdad que esa parte eh, es, es bastante complicada, ¿no? Porque los recursos siempre es algo difícil de conseguir. En nuestro caso, en un principio, bueno, con los viajes a Río Janeiro, eh, traíamos los instrumentos de allá, hasta que en un momento nos cruzamos con, con algún fabricante acá en Argentina que, que quería empezar a hacer instrumentos de samba, que es Inca Percusión. Y bueno, hasta el día de hoy, eh, a través de una parcería, digamos, de de un trabajo en equipo, eh, se hacen instrumentos acá en Argentina de samba y y bueno, todos nuestros instrumentos son de esa marca, ¿no? ¿Cómo Eh, se llama? Inca Percusión.
5: Inca Percusión,
4: ok. Y y después nos pasó lo mismo con con los parches, por ejemplo, que llevan los instrumentos, con el cuero, eh, que llevan los zurdos. Eh, nos pasó de que al principio teníamos que traer todo de, de Río Janeiro y después nos encontramos con otra marca acá que se llama Horizon y, y bueno, también pudimos conectar con ellos y empezar a, a hacer eh, parches para instrumentos de samba. Y bueno, hoy en día esa parte que, que es el recurso, el primer recurso para una batería, ¿no? para que una batería pueda tocar, ya la tenemos acá en, en, en Argentina, ¿no? en Buenos Aires. Eh, esa parte fue muy importante. Después lo de de la parte de la cuadra, eh, fue fue de muchos años de estar tocando en la estación de tren y preguntar, pasar por varios lugares también antes de poder estar acá, hasta que uno a veces conecta con la persona que tiene que conectar y bueno, le presentamos un, un proyecto de centro cultural, porque hoy en día el espacio es un centro cultural, en donde funcionan otras actividades culturales, no solamente la nuestra, Eh, y bueno, tuvimos la suerte también de de poder eh, encontrar o o cruzarnos con con ciertas personas que le interesaban, le interesaba nuestro proyecto, le parecía que que era muy atractivo, y muy folclórico, muy cultural, y siempre eh, respetando... eh, Esa, esa identidad esa esa cultura de, de eh, siendo no siendo propia no teniendo manteniéndose respeto y, y bueno y así pasa de que de que uno eh, no yo creo que una persona sola eh, capaz puede ir muy rápido no o sea una persona sola pero muchas personas pueden ir lejos y creo que ese es el caso de, de estación primera eh, Capaz si yo me hubiese quedado solo con, con algunas personas más, eh, capaz íbamos a ir muy rápido, pero poquitas personas y, y se iba a disolver en algún momento. Estación primera no se va a disolver nunca. Yo no voy a estar y estación primera con certeza va, va a seguir, o sea, va, va a quedar por mucho tiempo, sin
3: duda. Um, so he's
5: saying that you know the first thing that of course um, is the biggest resource or instruments um, that, you know, they had to think about how to procure for the, the school. And so at the very beginning, you know, they would take trips to Rio and buy instruments there and bring them back. Um, and, but then, you know, through connections and just talking to people, they were able to find a, manu- a somebody who wanted to actually manufacture in, uh, samba instruments in Argentina um, so they found. So now they have. They use uh, Inca Percussion, which is a, 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 manu- a samba instrument manufacturer based in Argentina, which is super cool. Um, and then the second one was, of course, you know the different heads for surdos and you know what they would use to supplement to supply um, those instruments. And again, they started with you know buying things in Rio, bringing it back, and then of you know, through connections and through just making, you know, effort to get to know people, they found somebody else who was willing to begin manufacturing them. And so now they use Horizonte um, they, uh, that does the skins. Okay. Now for the other, you know, for the Quadra, he said that, you know, for a long time they played at the train station um, and they found other places and that didn't, you know, that ended up not working out. Um, and so they just kept at it and, you know, trying to make those, you know, connections. And he says that sometimes you just, you know, you get put in the path of somebody who is willing to help you. And they were able to find, um, you know, some, some people who were interested in helping them sort of become, uh, to establish their quadra, not just as a quadra, but as a cultural center. So there's other activities that take, that take place mm. at, at their quadra, um, but he, he does say that you know um, that you know that they've been lucky and that they can they have this support from these people who you know were able to um, you know believe in their dream of creating this cultural center, but also maintaining the boundaries and letting them sort of drive the cultural part of it and the you know the ideas of it. Um, hmm. And he says that you know he credits the fact that um, you know he was really. Um, invested in keeping it sort of a group of people working towards this goal, right? Because he says that, you know, maybe if he had just done it all himself, like, you know, he can, he could have gone faster. Right. But he said that with a lot of people and the people that he's been connected to and has stayed connected to that they can go, that he's been able to go farther as part of a group. Um, Mm. And so he, he, Firmly believes that you know at, at some point he you know if he's not part of esta de gilanus he will like that they, they will continue without him like he you know he's firmly uh, he firmly believes that because of the foundation that they've given the group like the group is itself a group it's not his group it's not you know it's sort of something that's gonna just keep going because it is in a, in it's uh, it's its own thing now it's its own project
2: now yeah is he the one that that coordinates and directs the whole thing like or does someone is there like a president or something like that to organize the other alas
5: yeah Um, cuéntanos un poco sobre la estructura de la escuela este tú quien dirige la la batería quien como hay directores o sea es me imagino que es muy similar a los a las escuelas de samba de río pero cómo es la estructura de dirección digamos
4: Bien, eh, Estación Primera la luz tiene hoy en día 200 integrantes, eh, tiene el, el ala de batería, que ahí somos 40 ritmistas, yo soy el maestro de la batería, eh, hay, el, hay otros cuatro directores que generalmente tocan también, eh, además de estar en la dirección. Después tenemos el ala de armonía, que ahí tenemos... Eh, tres personas, tenemos el puyador, cavaquinho y, y violón, siete cuerdas. Tenemos el ala de pasistas, eh, que sería el, el cuerpo de baile, tanto femenino como masculino, que ahí tenemos 30 bailarines. Eh, tenemos el ala de baianas, que ahí tenemos alrededor de 7 8 personas. Eh, tenemos el ala de mestresale portabandeira, que sería el primer casal. Y después tenemos, eh, nosotros le decimos el ala Mirim, que sería la parte de de las crianzas, ¿no? De los más más chicos, que tanto
3: eh,
4: nenes como nenas que que vienen a bailar. Y después de eso también tenemos eh, dos salas que, que se sumaron un poquito después, que son la oficina de San Manopé y la oficina de ritmos. Eh, que serían los alumnos que quieren venir a, a aprender eh, para después el día de mañana poder también estar participando del proyecto o no pero pero bueno tienen ese espacio como para que puedan venir a aprender a, a, a el, el estilo del samanupé y aprender a, a tocar cualquier instrumento de la batería no
3: uh-huh.
4: eh, y después nosotros siempre nombramos eh, para nosotros es El ala más importante de todas, que es el ala de comunidad, y le decimos otro, el ala de comunidad. Que digamos que ahí es, es toda, toda esta comunidad argentino-brasilera mezclada, tanto la gente que participa en, en, en la escuela de samba, formando el, 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 el show, digamos, o formando desde, desde, desde la visual o de. Pero también toda la gente que está atrás de eso, ¿no? La gente que está desde haciendo un traje, la gente que está desde acompañando los desfiles, en la organización y bueno, y y muchos más. Creo que que esa parte, eh, el ala de comunidad es, es una de las más importantes sin duda.
5: Um, so yeah, they have a, a structure that's very similar to the samba schools in Rio. So they, he said they, um, earlier he mentioned they have about 200 people. Um, they have about 40 um, percussionists and he is the mestre de bateria. Um, there's also four directors that um, are part of the, the bateria that also play. So they, all, they not only direct, but they also play. Uh, then they have their armonía. They have a, they have three people, guitar, cavaquinho, and the puchador, the singer. Um, they have about 30 dancers, seven to eight um, people in the bayanas ala. Um, they have their uh, ala meeting, which is like all the little kids that come to play. Uh, and then they have two... Um, alas that are like oficinas, right? They have the oficina for dancers and then the oficina for rhythms. So people who want to be part of the samba school eventually or not, uh, you know, they can come and learn um, and be part of the project if they want to, or they can just come learn and and not be a part of the samba school. It's it's completely hmm. up to them. Um, and then they have what he says is probably the most important ala, which is the ala ji um, which is the community at large uh, that you know is part of this, you know, this project that can you know is not only culturally important because it's a lot of the people that are you know in the Brazilian community or uh, somehow connected to the Brazilian community and and music, uh, but also people who help the other Alice go. So you know helpers for the parades, costume makers, uh, you know, people who help with the administrative, like all of those behind the scenes um, that help everything else go.
2: How does he decide who can play? Um, He said, mentioned he had an officina. Um, How does he decide when people are ready to join? If that's their, if that's their uh, goal?
5: Eh, hablando de la oficina de, de percusión o de música o de ritmos, o oficina de ritmos, lo dijiste, ¿cómo, uh, uh-huh. si yo llego a tocar en la oficina de ritmo, ¿cómo es el proceso de llegar a tocar algún día en la batería?
4: Eh, la oficina de ritmos eh, ya lleva nueve años, la estación primera tiene doce, la oficina de ritmos ya tiene nueve años, entonces, eh, porque fue una necesidad del del proyecto también, porque había mucha gente que nos veía tocar y quería participar tocando y y capaz no era su primer contacto con un instrumento o no conocía la cultura, entonces necesitábamos otro espacio para para poder dedicarle a la la persona ese momento eh, y que pudiese entender de qué se trataba todo. Hoy en día contamos con 50 alumnos y está dividido en en dos grupos, un grupo de iniciantes, que es el que se inicia cada año, y es un grupo avanzado que ya viene hace varios años. Eh, Hay un programa que son de cuatro años, el programa de la Oficina de Ritmos dura cuatro años, en donde se van viendo las diferentes identidades de las escuelas de samba de Río, Qué es un poco lo que hacemos con, con Estación Primera. Nosotros tocamos zambas propios, pero zambas de todas las escuelas de Río, y cada una con su toque en particular. Entonces las oficinas de ritmos intenta en esos cuatro años mostrar eh, esas diferentes posibilidades que hay de, de poder tocar samba. Así el que el día de mañana quiere participar tocando en la batería, obviamente uno de los requisitos es poder tocar las diferentes escuelas de Río y bueno con eso ya lo, lo consigue digamos.
5: Um, so he says that the uh, oficina has been around for nine years. So this the school been around for twelve and the oficina has been around for nine. And it was started. It was unnecessary. It was totally necessary to begin because, you know, the more they played, the more they, you know, you touch people and people want to be part of it. Um, mm-hmm. and so they had people who wanted, you know, who wanted to play, but had literally no exposure or instruction of any kind, um, mm-hmm. to percussion. And so, um, they began that. And so now, right now they have uh, about 50 students. Um, they have a beginner's group that begins every year that starts every year. And then an advanced group that sort of keeps going, um, and the program, there's sort of like the, I guess, the pipeline to playing in the in the bateria is four years. Um, and not only do you learn about the instruments, but you also learn about samba schools. You learn, um, you know, the different identities of the samba schools because, you know, the, the school, SSM also, they play uh Samba schools, sambas from other samba schools in Rio, but they also play their own, and so you have to learn the music and songs and that kind of thing. So it wow. really is a, a, a it, it is a formal training program to be able yeah. to to get to the the point where you actually play with the
2: with the samba school. Holy um, cow, that is so organized. Yeah, super organizado You'd have it's a underneath. I'm surprised that people will, in my experience, people want to just have the maybe it's just Americans want, you know, yeah, the, so. the experience of, of the performance and not the work. And it's, it's awesome that he's able to have people who will work on it for four years. Yeah.
5: Super cool. wow. Que Nosotros nos impresionamos porque puede ser parte de la cultura americana pero mucha gente solo quiere quiere llegar y quiere tocar y eso es lo único que quieren hacer no quieren eh, tomar ese tiempo de años para realmente entender el instrumento, entender la música entender la samba eh, eh, como dijiste tener ese compromiso ¿no? con, con los estudios
4: claro. Sí, yo creo que las oficinas de ritmos cumplen un poco todas las necesidades capaz hay gente que quiere venir tocar eh, y no necesariamente pertenecer a a estación primera a la batería, digamos Eh, quiere seguir tocando las oficinas de ritmos y es un cable a tierra y después está el alumno que sí que quiere aprender todo para para el día de mañana poder estar ahí Eh, Yo creo que ambas, ambas cosas son son divertidas y, y tienen igual validez. Lo importante es que que uno haga lo que siente, ¿no? Eh, nosotros, nosotros le damos la, las dos posibilidades. Cada uno elige, ¿no? Depende uh-huh. de ellos.
5: Exactamente. Yeah, this is he makes a good point, um, Courtney, that um, there are people who show up at the oficina and just want to play, um, and that's fine. They, but they still have to go through that process. Um, and so he thinks that both options are valid if you just want to show up and play in the oficina and, you know, that's it. Um, you know, but there are people, you know, they give them the possibility of, of being, of having more commitment if you want to do mm-hmm. the four years and, and be part of the bateria. Wow. Um, but, you know, but there is that, uh, you know, that if you just want to come and play, you can come and, and play. It doesn't mean that you have to, you know, um, but you're going to do it in the oficina, right? Not in, not in the school,
2: Right,
1: mm-hmm. right. I'm curious. This sounds like a full-time job. Is it a full-time job for him or does he have another job that he does?
5: Um, Diana tiene una curiosidad que, como dijimos, es súper organizado, pero también parece que es mucho trabajo. ¿Este es tu, tu, es, ¿Esta es tu carrera principal o también tocas... Por ejemplo, música en otros medios, o, o cómo es, este si esto es tu, tu vida, básicamente.
3: Sí, en
4: realidad eh, soy músico percusionista, vivo de, de la música, eh, solamente que Estación Primera eh, financieramente se autosustenta, digamos. Entonces, digamos, mi entrada personal económica no, no, no pasa, básicamente, por Estación Primera, sino que pasa por por otros proyectos en donde yo también doy clases, en donde doy clases particulares, en donde toco en otros grupos de samba, realizo eh, grabaciones, eh, doy muchos workshops también por por toda Argentina y y por otros lugares también, entonces es como que estoy bastante diversificado, digamos. Creo que que Estación Primera eh, yo lo siento como que es un hijo, y que uno, bueno, uno le intenta le intenta dar todo y, y poner toda a disposición y si, sí, es, es un trabajo eh, que lleva mucho tiempo pero bueno, no, no estoy solo <ríe> eso es lo importante
5: um, so he says that um, he is a full time musician um, but he just so that it's clear um, the samba school is independently you know, financially driven, right? like it's got its own thing like he's not paid by the school um, but he makes his living as a, as a musician. So he plays in different, you know, he does workshops, he does classes, he does, um, he plays in other groups. Um, you know, he looks at, uh, but he, you know, of course it is a lot of work, um, to do, to, to keep the Saba School going, but he says he's not alone. He has a lot of, you know, support. He mentioned the fact that he's part of this bigger group that had this dream and, and has kept going. And so there's a lot of people that support, um, keeping the school going, obviously he looks at, you know, the Samba, school, you know, the the school as his baby uh, that is now sort of fully formed and he can sort of take a, a you know, a, sort mm-hmm. of a more hands-off approach that he can mm-hmm. dedicate to all of the other ways that, um, you know, he lives his life as a working musician.
2: Yeah. Cool. I want to ask him about uh, we were, I met him in Gabriel Policarpo's class. He was in there. He was kind of a assistant um, for the class. and he we did this throughout the whole, um, it was like a four month class. And at the end, Gabrielle wrote out this whole big, long piece for all of us to to play and then made a big video. But he had the he wrote um, Leandro wrote the final piece for that. Piece for that. Um, can you tell us about, I guess, both his participation in the class and also that ending piece that he wrote.
5: Um, Courtney uh, dice que te conoció como que los dos hicieron parte del del proyecto de Gabriel Policarpo. y que ella quiere, quiere saber sobre que 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 tú escribiste la una de las piezas de la del workshop de de Gabriel. Y quieres saber un poco sobre eso, de cómo lo escribiste y un poco sobre tu participación con, con Gabriel.
4: Eh, bueno, tuve la suerte de, de conocer a Gabriel en el año 2009 eh, en Río de Janeiro y ahí fue una conexión así como muy, muy directa. Él se asombró porque yo ya tocaba, eh, obviamente un poco. Y, y bueno, él después vino para Argentina. Yo me quedé... A vivir en la casa de él. Nos hicimos muy amigos, entonces eh, nunca hubo una conexión capaz de, de, de profesor y alumno, aunque él sí es mi mestre, pero bueno, capaz no, no hubo esa formalidad. Eh, yo aprendí muchísimo, muchísimo con Gabriel, compartiendo el día a día, viviendo con él. Entonces es como que muchas cosas para mí son naturales que él me inculcó, ¿no? Sin darse cuenta, capaz. Eh, y también inspiraciones cuando fueron del curso de repique de, de Gabriel eh, bueno, surgió la idea de, de, de que yo pueda eh, comentarle a mis alumnos de acá de Argentina que, que quisiesen participar bueno, muchos accedieron y, y bueno, yo estaba un poco ahí como ayudando a Gabriel en, en la parte de de poder dar apoyo a algunos alumnos que tenían dificultad y apoyo en español también para los alumnos de Argentina y de habla hispana. Había algunos alumnos de de México, de Venezuela. Eh, Y bueno, Gabriel siempre es muy generoso. Entonces cuando cuando fue el el cierre, digamos, del, del, del curso, se iba a armar un video, que era una una pieza musical, y y él me propuso de de que, bueno, si yo quería quería participar también de la creación, y bueno, así fue. Eh, Le presenté algo, él le encantó, y bueno, lo lo puso ahí en en el cierre. (ríe) Fue muy divertido.
5: So, he has known Gabriel since Two thousand and nine, they met um, in Brazil, and he just was sort of, uh, you know, Gabriel was was um, sort of impressed by the fact that you know this here is this young guy from Argentina, self taught, you know, um, and so they just kind of got a you know super connection, uh, immediate connection, Um, and then Gabriel went to Argentina, and actually uh, Leandro lived with Gabriel in Rio for a time. And so he says that there wasn't, there was never sort of like this formal student teacher relationship, but that for him, Gabriel is one of his maestres for sure, because just from the day to day living with him and just being exposed to like, you know, his, the tricks of his trade, he sort of, um, you know, absorbed a lot of his style and absorbed a lot of what he has taught, you know, or what he teaches. Um, And that he thinks that, you know, he's definitely one of the ones, one of the people who has has taught him the most. Um, So then as part of as part of this uh, project that he did, um, you know, Gabriel is he says he's a very generous person. And so he kind of came up with the idea that um, that Leandro could be sort of the connection to the Spanish speaking students, because there were quite a bit of Spanish speaking students from Mexico and, and Argentina Um, and so he was going to be that connection to the Spanish speakers. Um, but then, you know, as he mentioned, Gabriel is very generous and off and said, why don't you do the, you know, this piece for the video and, um, and if he wanted to help create it, so he created it and, um, Gabriel loved it and the rest is history. So he said it was really, really fun to do.
3: Yeah, that
2: was a, it was a fun project. I, uh, I would see these videos that he would make on Instagram, uh, Leandro, and uh, (laughs) he was always just like casually and confidently looking into the camera and smiling while he was playing, not really looking at his drum. And I was like, okay, I'm going to channel that energy. And I tried (laughs) to do that. I was like, I'm going to channel my inner... Leandro and uh, it did not work. i just looked like a weird psycho that was about ready to murder your sister when I was like trying to look into the camera and play at the same time. It was it was a bad result. But anyway, I'm, in, I'm impressed with his ability not only to play, he's a, it, Leandro's an incredible player, but like he's got this like cool, easy confidence that he, <laughs> that he plays with.
5: <laughs> Courtney dice que, que te veía en los videos en Instagram, que, que subes a, a Instagram y que. Sí. Que, le, que, le, que le impresionas no solamente porque eres que tocas súper bien y, y, y la, la impresionas de esa forma, obviamente, pero también eh, tu, tu forma de ser. Dice que tienes una confianza, que parece que miras la cámara y estás tocando como que sin esfuerzo, porque tienes una confianza. Y dice que ella estaba tratando de hacer lo mismo, eh, de tener esa... Como, como, eh, yo creo que en portugués lo diría solto, ¿no? ¿eh? Solto, que tocas así sí. como que como que es tu es parte de tu naturaleza. Entonces ella dice que, que no funcionó, pero que trata de <risa> trata de tener un poco de tu esta esencia cuando toca.
4: Bueno, nada, no, yo la, la agradezco ahí porque realmente es un cumplido, ¿no? Eh, me lo dijo la otra vuelta en, en, en un grupo que tenemos en común ahí con repiques de un mundo Eh, que ella ella dijo que, que su objetivo eh, al finalizar el curso era poder tocar y, y no solamente por tocar y sonreír como Leandro sonríe a la cámara ¿no? eh, bueno me sentí me sentí nada muy feliz porque viniendo de Curne que realmente toca muy bien eh, nada me sentí muy halagado y obviamente que uno lo hace Capaz uno no lo piensa, ¿no? Le, le sale y, y ya. Eh, pero bueno, se ve que es algo que que, que llega, llega, y eso es, es lindo también.
5: So he says thank y he said that you mentioned it in group, in a, I guess, in a group chat that you have, that like not only. Because he's also impressed by your playing, but the fact that you said that- You know, you not only did you want to play it well, but you wanted to be able to play it while smiling into the camera the way that Leandro does it. (laughs) Um, He said that that it was it's very uh you know obviously like it makes him feel good that you know people like the way he plays and all of that, but it's also nice that like you reach you touch people and reach people with other things like smiling
1: too.
2: (laughs) Yeah, totally. That's cute. Nice.
1: Could he tell us um, he's part of a samba tradicional group, right? can he talk about that?
5: Um, Leandro, también tocas en un, un grupo de samba tradicional, ¿no? ¿Nos puedes contar sobre eso?
4: Sí, eh, toco en dos grupos de samba tradicional. Uno se llama Grupo Malandragem, que ya tiene más de 20 años el grupo. Wow. Sí. <risa> Es uno de los grupos...
5: ¿Cuántos años tiene ya? ¿20 años?
4: 20. 20 años, sí, más de 20. Wow. wow. Sí. Eh, son a, algunos chicos son un poco más grandes que yo. Eh, yo, de hecho, en el grupo estoy hace 7. Eh, y es un grupo que ya grabó su tercer disco. Ya hizo una gira por Río Janeiro. Grabó, mm-hmm. de los tres discos, dos se grabaron en Río Janeiro. Ya tocó en casas muy importantes de, de, de Río, como Cacique de Ramos, eh, Chia Doca, Samba eh, ah. trabalhador eh, sí, wow. sí, la verdad que, que, que es muy, muy satisfactorio, es muy lindo poder pertenecer a, a Malandrashen. Eh, y después tocó en otro grupo que se llama Roda de Samba One Bienchi, que es un poco más la Roda de Samba que está más pegada a Estación Primera. Eh, que compartimos el ciclo semanal eh, y capaz es una roda un poco más desestructurada, ¿no? más al, al estilo de, de se juntan un grupo de amigos y, y se juntan a tocar. Pero bueno, ambos grupos de samba tienen su particularidad, ¿no? uno un poquito más informal y otro como, como más proyecto de banda. Malandrajen somos 12 músicos eh, con instrumentos de viento, batería, bajo y bueno, todos los instrumentos the una roda de samba, digamos.
3: Uh-huh.
5: Uh, yeah, so he's part of two groups. Uh, the first one is Grupo Malandraging, which is a twenty. It's been around for twenty years. It's incredible. He's been it, in it for seven years, and very incredible. Um, he's been in the group for seven years, and it's a it's a very well respected group. Um, you know, they have three. They're on their third CD um and then they've also done tours in in brazil they've played at some of the most you know the renowned samba um places in rio like uh and um and that's sort of uh that's 12 musicians that's sort of a, a very independent group so they were around before leandro was part of it but now he's part of it um and then he also plays in the Roda de Samba Bon Ambienti, which is is uh, connected to the samba school, to mm. uh, to Lanús. And um, that's more of the unstructured, like your typical Roda Samba, right? Where people come and play and friends get together and uh, more of an informal approach, but it's connected to the samba school. So two independent, uh, you know, independent of each other, but uh, both are... Samba, his samba projects.
1: Is it a popular scene in Buenos Aires? In Buenos, Aires. um, hablaste del grupo
5: del grupo Malandrín que ya han tocado en Rio de Janeiro. Pero en Buenos Aires tocan mucho. Hay una hay hay oportunidades de tocar mucho ahí. Va mucha gente. Como como cómo es en, en Buenos Aires.
4: Sí, Grupo Malandrayen también tiene su roda semanal, que es todos los domingos, y se mantiene esa roda hace 20 años, (ríe) todos los domingos. Eh, Yo de hecho conocí a Grupo Malandrayen desde afuera, era era chico cuando los conocí, y y por mucho tiempo los admiré, los sigo admirando, pero bueno, ahora desde adentro, ¿no? Se sigue manteniendo todos los domingos. Ahora, bueno, obviamente, un breve, un breve receso, pero bueno, muy pronto seguramente estaremos de nuevo. T-
5: dónde, ¿Dónde tocan?
4: Malandrayen también es de Buenos Aires, toca en el centro y muchas veces tocó en la zona norte, eh, uh-huh. que sería una zona que está más pegada al, al río, digamos. Mm. Eh, muy lindo mm. lugar también.
5: So yeah, um, there is a scene. They, you know, obviously pandemic times has changed a lot, but uh, they've played every Sunday. They have a hotaji Samba every Sunday for twenty years, and he has, um, you know, he actually, uh, you know, knew them as a kid, right? Like he got to know them and admired them from afar, from the outside, Um, and now he admires them from. From the inside, <laughs> as part of the group, so um, <laughs> he still admires them, but now he's part of it. Um, and he says that you know Buenos Aires, like we like mentioned, every week uh, for twenty years, they played, uh, they play in Centro or in the north, the zona norte, zona norte of, uh, <laughs> oh. of Buenos Aires.
2: How has the pandemic affected Argentina and your group? We hear a lot about, I mean, in the United States, we're kind of obsessed with ourselves, but um, we hear a lot about Brazil um, and their mismanagement of the, of the virus, just like us. I'm curious how Argentina's handled it and how has that affected um, his groups and his, his music um,
5: hablando de la, de la pandemia que, que ha tenido obviamente un efecto muy grande en la música eh, ya o sea la, la movida de la música que uh-huh. muchos músicos están parados no pueden trabajar como y en aquí en Estados Unidos se ha hablado mucho sobre la pandemia en Brasil y, y, y cómo se ha manejado malmente, mal sí. eh, igual que aquí no en Estados manejado mal, ¿cómo ha afectado la pandemia en Argentina? No solamente musicalmente pero también en general, ¿cómo se está viviendo allá en Argentina?
4: Eh, Yo creo que que bueno, al principio uno fue un poco más consciente pero bueno, a medida que pasa el tiempo cuesta mantener los cuidados necesarios, entonces ahí es un poco cuando cuando todo empieza a ponerse un poquito más complicado Eh, Pero bueno, por suerte creo que siempre falta menos. Eh, así que nada, al, en la parte musical, eh, en lo particular, a los, al, los pocos días de, de, de pandemia, eh, acabo un cierre general de todo y los alumnos que, que yo estaba dando clases, capaz presenciales, los pasé en plataforma virtual. Y, y bueno, y eso también me, me, me hizo generarme un tiempo para poder estudiar algunos instrumentos que, que uno quiere estudiar y, y no, no tiene el tiempo. Eh, también me hizo el tiempo para poder grabar un poco más. Eh, me hizo el tiempo para para conocer otra gente que, que no están tan cerca, como en el caso de Courney de, de y, y de mucha gente de ahí del de curso de Gabriel. Eh, y creo que, que, que tuvo su lado positivo. No, no, no todo es, es negativo, ¿no? La parte negativa ya la conocemos, pero bueno, creo que, que después cada uno, cada persona eh, tiene que sacarle algo algo positivo a todo esto porque, sin lugar a dudas, vino para dejarnos una enseñanza, ¿no? Uh-huh, uh-huh.
3: Um,
5: so he says that you know, Argentina has fared pr- well, uh, well, probably, en comparación con Brasil. And the U.S. That at the beginning there was definitely a lot of um, a lot of effort um, to to mitigate the virus, and people really did heed the warnings and do everything they needed to do. Um, you know, they also had a national lockdown, so you know, thank you know, thankfully that for them it's been obviously as time has gone on, it's been hard to maintain, right? People hard to maintain. Um, and keep people engaged with like, all of the different things that they need to keep doing to stay safe. Um, but that, you know, thankfully, um, so far, they've been relatively okay. Um, but he says that, um, you know, the, uh, the other thing that, you know, he was thankful for is that, uh, you know, for like a lot of musicians that we've talked to about the pandemic, they've he had to innovate and so you know classes have gone online um you know the he's taken time to sort of explore the that part of teaching right the online part um you know he's also had time to do other things that he didn't have time to do before uh like study other instruments uh maybe record more um and so uh, he thinks that, of course, we know the negative impact of the pandemic, um, but f- but he also looks at it as you know that there's been this positive side as well because you know he's had to innovate. Um, you know, it's has taught us a lot about you know, I guess uh, being thankful for what we have, and then also the fact that it's it's brought him closer to people who are far away um, because, you know, he's gotten to work with Gabriel. He's, you know, he worked with you, Courtney, um, all of those different projects that have come about that have sort of linked us closer to people um, that are in other countries or in other cities, um, you know, being connected to them more virtually has come as a result of the pandemic.
2: Yeah, totally. It's been really, um, for me personally, The say it's the same thing. Like I'm able to connect with all these other people who are nerds about samba and hip <laughs> and that's been that's been really a wonderful side effect for me yeah
5: yeah, yeah. this Courtney dice que también para ella ha sido es, ese ha sido por lo menos un aspecto positivo de yeah. de la pandemia es que le ha dado la oportunidad de conectarse con personas que Los profesores que antes solamente enseñaban en Rio de Janeiro, pues innovaron y ahora están enseñando que puedes estudiar con ellos a través de de cursos en línea, ¿no? That's
2: claro, sí, sí. yeah, been great. Is, so this this work is is difficult at times. Um, he's organized this huge group over multiple years. It's pretty impressive. What inspires you to keep going, Leandro? Eh, Leandro,
5: habla, háblanos un poco sobre lo que te inspira. Hemos hablado de, de que puede ser difícil, que puede ser que tienes que ser muy organizado, que hay esas cosas que al día a día llevan mucho trabajo. ¿Qué es lo que te mantiene inspirado en seguir creciendo la escuela, seguir innovando? Cuéntanos un poco sobre eso.
4: Y yo creo que la, la, la inspiración siempre va a ser la, la fuente, ¿no? Ir a, a Río de Janeiro eh, a beber de, de, de la fuente, a respirar ese aire. Eh, a mí me hace mantenerme eh, no solamente actualizado en lo musical, sino actualizado en, en lo que está pasando en el ambiente, ¿viste? Y eso a mí me, me, me genera una motivación. Obviamente que ya he vivido un tiempo en Río de Janeiro. Y quedarme allá, sí, solamente sin tener mi mi espacio en Argentina y mis amigos acá, Eh, no no me llena completo, digamos. Necesito un poco de de los dos lugares. Me pasa mucho de que estoy en Argentina y quiero estar en Río, y cuando estoy en Río quiero estar en Argentina. Eh, Pero bueno, esa es sin duda mi, mi mayor inspiración. Eh, y obviamente después amigos tan cercanos así como, como Gabriel, Policarpo, eh, bueno, y un montón de otros amigos y, y que comparto en las escuelas de samba de allá, y también en las escuelas de samba de acá, porque pasa mucho de que eh, con, con, con toda la gente que, que hay acá también en Buenos Aires dando vuelta y en Argentina, uno, uno va creciendo en, en conjunto, ¿no? no es que solamente crece una escuela de samba o un grupo, sino que varios grupos van creciendo también y eso hace de que de que sea una motivación para, para uno también, ¿no? de que crezca uh-huh. eh, la cultura en sí, ¿no? no que solamente uno diga bueno, crece mi proyecto y nada más, no, la realidad es que está bueno que, que sea en conjunto, que sea algo global. Uh-huh. Um, so he, he
5: mentioned that um, his main inspiration is going to Rio. Uh, he says that going to Rio is something that really fills him up. He, he talks about it in terms of drinking from the fountain uh, because he gets to see, he, it motivates him. He gets to see what's new, what's, you know, see what's in, what the innovation is there. He really sort of, you know, gets his mindset into, um, learning and and absorbing what's there and you know he says that you know even he's lived in brazil like he mentioned he lived in rio and that he feels like um he has like a double like he he loves both places equally where when he's in, in buenos aires or when he's in argentina he wants to be in rio and when he's in rio he wants to be in argentina so he's kind of like a you know has that sort of uh that um that pull to both places. Um, And then he also says that he's inspired by the friends that he's made, not only in Rio, like Gabriel and people, you know, all the friends that he's mentioned, but um, also the people and friends that he's made in his own Samba school, because the, you know, it's not just about, you know, when he thinks about the, the, how his project has grown, he doesn't think about it just like his project has grown. He thinks about how they've all grown, right? Like he's personally grown and his, his group, uh, you know, they also grow and evolve. So, um, so those are really the things that, that keep him motivated and inspired to keep working.
1: Awesome. Yeah, awesome. So we've asked him a lot of questions today. Um, is there anything that we haven't asked him that he'd like to add or anything he'd like to promote or shout outs, anything like that?
5: Eh, Leandro, te hemos preguntado muchas cosas, pero ¿hay alguna cosa que no te, no te hemos preguntado que quieras compartir? ¿Algún proyecto? ¿Algún algún sitio? En, un enlace, algo así que quieras compartir con este con los que escuchan?
4: Eh, no, la verdad es que creo que hablamos de todo. Eh, nada, me gustaría también eh, contar un poco mi experiencia en, en Río de Janeiro creo que eso es, es algo que, que a mí también me, me motiva mucho ¿no? al, al seguir día a día esto de que veníamos hablando. Eh, yo arranqué a viajar en el, en el año 2005 y, y digamos hasta el día de hoy no, no paré y, y pasé por muchas escuelas de samba, siempre no solamente con el afán de tocar y divertirme, sino como me atrapaba algo más, me atrapaba eso... Eso que, que hay que, que tanto se cuida, ¿no? que es como eh, lo que tiene adentro cada Escuela de Samba, ¿no? su estructura, su, su identidad, eh, eso que tanto se cuida que parece que está en una cajita de cristal y no se puede romper, eh, como uno va a la batería de, de Mangueira y, y, y no hay un zurdo de segunda ¿no? y nunca va a haber un zurdo de segunda, esas cosas a mí eran las que, las que me atrapaban mucho y me siguen atrapando. Cada vez que voy a una escuela de samba y entro a una escuela de samba, sigo sintiendo un poco lo lo mismo que sentía aquella primera vez. Y eso creo que también es algo muy fuerte en en la parte de de la motivación para poder seguir en el día a día, ¿no? De que creo que hasta el último día que me pase eso, eh, creo que lo voy a seguir sintiendo como si fuese el primero.
5: Um, he, he also wants to, wanted to share a little bit about, um, you know, the fact that he talked about Rio as a motivation, but also sort of the why it's a motivation. And he talks about the fact that, um, you know, he's been traveling to Rio since he was, since, uh, 2005, that was the first time he went and he's been there many, many times. And he says that the thing that sort of keeps him coming back is sort of that feeling that, you know, and he's been through to so many Sama schools, right? And he says that the one thing that they have in common is that it seems like they, that they have like a secret, right? That's in the school, that's in like a little box that you that you just have to that you can only absorb by being part of it. Um, and that his, like he wants to find out what that secret is. And sometimes it's something obvious. Like he talks about Manguera not having a third surdu and they're never going to have one. And that's sort of their thing. And that's part of the, one of their secrets, but that, um, you know, he's, and I, and, I, and I, 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 he's, he mentioned it, you know, he talks about it in Spanish as sort of a secret that's in a box, but I, I totally feel the same way that, you know, when you're there, it's something, something magical, that uh, is unspoken, that only the people that are part of that Samba school know. Um, and so he says that, that, you know, that the desire to know that secret and to understand those secrets is what keeps him motivated to keep learning. Um, that even today, when he goes to a Samba school, the, the feeling that he gets, that sort of like magical inspiration that he gets is he feels the same way that he did the first time he went Um, And he thinks that, you know, until his last day that, you know, he will continue feeling that, that strange, almost magical um, inspiration that he feels when he goes to a samba quadra. Mm, I love that.
1: It's like a force of nature. (laughs) Totally. Totally. Well, thank you so much, Leandro.
4: No, de nada, gracias a
0: ustedes.
2: If you would like to learn more about Leandro and the and the stuff he's doing and see these great videos that they put together, these of his group, these professional videos with um Professional lighting, sound, everything. They're really cool. Um, check them out. Go to thebrazilianbeat.com. I almost said gosamba.net. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, it's really impressive, like what they've got going there. I mean, they've been doing it for so long. Um, he's been doing it, what, for 15, 20 years? Mm-hmm. Just, it's really impressive. And they've just really uh, committed to it. They have a Valia Guarda. Yeah, they do. I mean, who has that? Yeah, and who, who has that? Yeah, and even their, you know, their, uh, hoda Gisamba is has been around forever, and it's just really impressive. Yeah. So, I'm really happy that we were able to talk uh, with Leandro and and check out the scene in Buenos Aires. Very mm-hmm. cool. Yeah, they have costume
2: makers. <laughs> It's just crazy. And,
1: and their own drum companies that.
2: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. yeah. Yeah. I mean, of course, they are like right next door to Brazil, True. but still.
1: True, but still. Yeah. And we want to um, follow up once again um, and talk a little bit about Hichimo Solidario, uh, thanking everybody that participated in the big push in December. But, you know, things are still bad, and, um, you know, we've heard from China this week, there's a lot of stuff going down in Brazil, and uh, people are losing their jobs, and just it's not a good situation. So if you can still contribute, that would be wonderful. Um, they're still putting together their packages and distributing as much as they can, so. Um.
2: They did a lot of good, yeah, with the, the, the money that that everybody donated. Thank you so much for sharing with your communities and, and a lot of people donated so that was really awesome.
1: And they are really appreciative. Mm-hmm. Um,
2: so. Episode 82 and all the information is there on our website and also we posted on Facebook but we'll, we will put a link in the show notes for this episode as well.
1: Yeah, we uh, we'll make it easy for you and give you the uh, PayPal address and you can just donate
2: there and a lot of people have asked like because the paypal looks like it has or the paypal email address looks like it has a typo in it it does not there's two (laughs) eyes sheena is just making this up as he goes he's he's he has not had a lot of experience on social media and with all these things um you know a lot of people would have named it Solidario at at gmail.com or something but he you know he just he's He's doing it as he can. He's working with the best tools he's got. That's one thing I love about this guy is that he's doing what he knows how to do. So, yeah. Anyway, it's not a typo. Point being, it's not a typo.
1: (laughs) Total grassroots. He's doing it, you know, as it comes. And he's doing a great job. And shout out to to Sheena. Yeah, definitely.
2: So announcements that we have. um, Our friends episode 31 with uh, Lauren and Mason. Their group, Samba Fogo, has just released a CD. The name is Ufogo Fogo Brilha. And you can, it's their first professionally recorded CD, and you can check that out at SambaFogo.com. So go go check it out and support them. We also have some recommendations. Um, I don't think I've recommended this, but I've been listening to this for a while. Samba Leao. its a podcast. You can find it on all your podcast players. It is all in Portuguese, but the but they dive—they um, take a deep dive into history of samba, different songs, different schools uh, in Rio. It's it's pretty interesting. I have been using it to study Portuguese, and I, I slow it down to 0.8 speed. And listen, and I end up understanding quite a bit. So um, yeah, I'm learning a lot about about different influential people in samba schools and, and history of of what's been happening. So I've been finding it really fascinating. So check it out, Samba Leal. That's S A M B A
1: L E A L. And there's another new podcast that I uh, just saw and listened to a couple episodes. Um, it's from the Carnivalesco site um, that some of you might be familiar with. Mm-hmm. And they're doing a podcast about Zamba. Uh, and it just uh, premiered, I think, this this year. Have you listened to any of them? Yeah, I have. And I actually understood. <laughs> it was nice. really clear. There was one oh, cool. there was one that I was like, wow, his accent's really tough to understand. <laughs> but, uh, mm-hmm. yeah, so it's uh, just the Carnivalesco podcast. Uh, Podcast, um, and it, they've only got you know a handful of episodes, like six to eight. But like they did a small interview with Mestre Casagrande, and oh, cool. it was very easy to understand, which I was surprised by. Oh, nice! <laughs> yeah, um, so check it out. Some of them are long, some of them are short. Um, so yeah, another podcast. It's uh, like Courtney said, it's in Portuguese, so you have to understand. Um, language of it. But uh, yeah, check it out. No time like now to learn. That was my next recommendation is that Courtney and I have been doing um, online Portuguese class through Portland Community College here in Portland. Uh, But we have students from different places and it's been really fun. That's true. Uh, Mm -hmm. There are a couple of folks we know from California Brazil camp. One's from Olympia Washington and one's from down uh, in California. But it's online, so anybody can join up. There's a lot of different levels within the class. But it's kind of nice to have just like this outlet, um, a little bit of a challenge uh, in your head. (laughs) Yeah,
2: I mean, the teacher, Luciana, she does a great job of of having different tips. And it's always been something, almost always been something I've struggled with and been like, what, why is that like that? I don't understand. And then she brings it up as a tip. I'm like, oh, that's got a little rule about it. Like, okay, cool. Like, it's been very, very helpful.
1: Yeah, she makes it really fun, and Mm -hmm. she's a music lover. um, Oh, that's right. Mm -hmm. She'll pull music into the lessons as well. So that's kind of fun. Mm -hmm. So, you know, there's all kinds of people teaching right now online, Portuguese, um, you know, colleges. Um, So if you're into this genre of music and you aren't familiar with the language, this is a great time to start learning it. It really makes your experience
2: of it much richer,
1: I think. Yeah, like so, some of these um, interviews that we've done, I feel like, yeah, it's just been really helpful to to have been studying here for a while. And just to understand the words of, of the songs. And things yeah yes definitely so that's my that's my recommendation <laughs> yeah, nice.
2: all right everybody you can find us on social media and you can find diana on tiktok
1: <laughs> you won't find courtney because she's too busy watching tiktok getting sucked in <laughs> it's true uh, okay Maybe we'll have to post <laughs> our favorite TikTok videos, so. Oh yeah, maybe we should. <laughs> yeah. yeah. We should I'm too embarrassed
2: that. to post my favorite TikTok <laughs> video. <laughs> mm. <laughs> Alright. Thanks everybody. I hope you liked that interview.
1: Ciao.
0: <laughs>